Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Craigcast. I'm here with Jim Craig. He is my father, a plumber of 36 years, and, and an all-around good guy. <laughs> How you doing today, Jim? I'm just fine. So so how's vacation? Tell tell all our listeners where we're where we're recording from. Oh, we're in beautiful sunny Stewart, Florida. <laughs> Having a good time here. We got a few rounds in on the golf course. Hung out with grandpa and it was it was fun. Hang out with grandma Nikki. Yeah, the whole Nicoletta and Aunt Diane. The whole the whole dang crew. <laughs> I bet you Aunt Diane. I bet you you'll probably listen to this, so shout out to Aunt Diane. Shout out, Di. <laughs> Maybe some of the boys at the Elks Club too, or the golf course. <laughs> so, bring bring you back to the beginning, Dad. What what era did you grow up in? What was what was life like in Rockland County back then? I grew up. I graduated high school in 1977. A lot simpler than it is today. Less busy. Um, the roads were not uh, so traffic filled with traffic and congested. Mm-hmm. A little different. There were more farms in the area. In Rockland County, there were, there were a lot of farms, apple farms mainly. Um, just just a quieter, easier life. Did they get rid of most of them for development and stuff? Yeah, all of it turned into developed property. Yeah. In the 70s, they became a boom there, and, and uh, it really jumped then. You know, the construction industry jumped, um, and... Uh, People made their fortunes there doing, you know, doing the construction. So what did they, um, and then, so you, you get out of high school in 77 and then what, what was the plan after that? What were you Graduated high school in 77. I got a job at Ledley Labs, a pharmaceutical factory in, in Pearl River. Big, employed, uh, almost 5,000 people, 4,000, high 4,000s. And I was a janitor there. I had, uh. I started out as a janitor, and I knew I I had more more in me than being a janitor. So I I uh, I saw plumbers at uh, I saw plumbers at Lederley's, and I said, "Oh, that seems like a good job. I think I'll do that." So I just pursued plumbing. That's basically how it happened. So you did you like start working on like the plumbing crew there, or what? Uh... No, you need experience. So I had to gain experience. So I I started working for uh, Action Plumbing. Started working for him and and uh, as a helper. For three bucks an hour, and uh, that's what I did. I worked there. F- I worked with Tommy uh, seven to one, typically seven in the morning to one in the afternoon, and I went to Lettley's at two, and I worked till ten thirty at night. I did that pretty much every day. How long were you? How long did you do that for? I did that for about four years till I uh, till I got enough experience to to be accepted in the plumbing department. So I I bid on a job. I saw a plumbing job on the board, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I applied. They I knew some plumbers already there, so they kind of knew. You know they knew that I was doing that, and with the idea of getting in the plumbing shop, and uh, and ultimately I got in. So that was you know when I got in there it was, it was a big pay raise. So I I was making much better money than, than being a janitor, and uh, just a great job. You know I had. A, a lot of fun there. I was learned a lot of plumbing. I worked with high pressure steam. I worked with acids, acidic pipe, glass line pipe, stainless steel pipe, welded pipe, high so pressure it, steam. So it was more industrial setting, really. It was an industrial. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was an industrial. So I was an industrial plumber. You know, I learned uh, 
that was that was the job. So I mean, it's kind of all the same, but different, way different than house plumbing. Yeah, all the same concept. You know, shit shit flows downhill, and water right. water needs pressure. Yeah, <laughs> the two basics of plumbing. Yeah. So what made you? How do you make the switch to residential? Oh, I uh, I started hustling on the side. I started to make extra money. People would say, "Oh, you know, can you can you put a kitchen faucet in for me, or can you put a toilet in for me?" And and then you know I would do that, and then eventually they'd be like, "Oh, can you remodel my bathroom? Can you can you you know all this kind of small stuff?" I didn't have my license at that point, so I was kind of moonlighting, working illegally basically, um, and. Uh, one thing led to another. I got I got so busy with side work that I I thought I could make a go of it. So what was where was your mind at in that transition phase? Because it's probably scary. You probably had like benefits and insurance and stuff through. Yeah, yeah, I had great letters. insurance. Yeah, I had great insurance, and uh, you know, I just uh, I f- I could make enough money that I could afford to buy my insurance. So that's what we did. Mom, you know, mom was uh, raising you guys, so we uh, we bought our insurance. So how old was I born when this? No, I wasn't born. Was I born yet when that happened? Yeah, no, no, you were. I mean, that, yeah, that happened before you were born. So just Liz was around. Yeah, that was before. Or probably Liz. before Liz. Yeah, it was Liz before Liz. Thirty-six years. So Liz is thirty. So it was, you know, six years before she was around. But uh, I mean, I, I was a. I got my license when I was dating mom. Mm-hmm. And then you know we got married, and then a couple years later we tried to. Had bang, a few little ones. Bang them out there. <laughs> so, what sort of uh, like what philosophy did you have in business? Like, what was your what was your thought process with with plumbing? Like, what did you want to do to grow the business and that sort of thing? Um, well, it's always financial. You know, finance is always a motivating factor. You want to make more money. So, I got a good good personality for people. So it was. I just really like, I think just being honest, I think honesty is really big because people don't know what you're doing as far as the plumbing part of it. They don't really know what you're doing, but they, they can sense if you're lying or not or you're bullshitting them. So yeah, it's better to be honest. I always felt like, you know, just be honest with people. Don't, don't try to lie to them. Don't cheat them. Don't, you know, don't BS them. Just Mm kind of tell them, tell them what the deal is Yeah, and what it's going to cost. And, you know, it's, it was mostly, you know. Finance financially uh, motivated, mm-hmm. but you know, honest. I felt like uh, I was always doing the right thing by them. So that was that was really what I think. That's really a big part of being successful. Yeah, because if you're dishonest, and even if you get the job and the paycheck, they're never going to call you back. So right, you don't get a repeat customer. They, you don't have loyalty because they yeah. feel like you cheated them or whatever. So I always tried to, you know, you, you're going to get a person that thinks you're that you ripped them off, but. Uh, you know, I never really felt like I ripped them off. What do you think was the worst? What's your worst ever plumbing job? Or the hardest, most challenging? Um, I, I can't think of a... I can just think of just nasty houses that I worked in that were so dirty that, you know, they just... I remember walking into this house, it was like a, uh, a hoarder. A lady was a hoarder. And she called me in a panic. She had stuff leaking and I... Um, I came in with the tools. You could barely walk in the front door because there was just so much hoarding material there. Mm-hmm. She had little paths through her house that you could walk from one to another. And, and I was walking with my helper. My helper had the toolbox, and I was going first. He was behind me, and I stepped in a pile of dog shit like halfway down the hall. It was all dark. You couldn't see, so I just I stepped in this dog shit, and I 
I could feel my foot just sliding across the floor. So I just turned around and said, let's go. And the lady kept talking and I was, I was leaving the, I was walking out the house and she, and by the time she realized I was going the other way, she came to the front door and said, wait, wait. But I was like, bye, I'm leaving. Yeah. I remember we did a pretty, a hoarder's house and it was basically like junk on both sides of you and then just a path, yeah, a path like, through yeah. into the it's basement. Like walking, yeah. It was yeah, like a thousand packs of cans and stuff like that, all expired food. Yeah, yeah, the opposite of a hoarder. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, that there's always jobs that are challenging. You know, some are more challenging. Like I always was anxious about in the heating season when I was early on in my career. I'd be so nervous about the winter time, the heating season, because there'd be lots of uh, problems that you couldn't really figure out. It wasn't wasn't you know like so easy. If the thermal coupling was out, you're like, okay, you need a new thermal coupling. If that doesn't work, you need a new gas valve, but it wasn't always so easy. Yeah, it's a lot of, I remember when we were plumbing together, it'd always be like, you'd get the call and you'd diagnose it on your head on the way over because there's only, there's only so many things that can be wrong sort of thing. Yeah. Hopefully the power switches off. You walk in and look like a hero, you turn the power on. That's an easy job. (laughs) Those are good ones. Those are the easy, easy ones to do, but uh, sometimes there's jobs that you, that trick you. They definitely trick you, so... As time went on, I got better at at it, and I wasn't wasn't anxious anymore during during the heating season. But I remember being like super nervous about. Yeah, because you feel bad. People got it's cold. So. Well, you got to help them, but you got to you want to go over there and figure it out. You don't want to look like a fool. You, you know, you, I remember you know a couple times that I couldn't figure it out. I was like, I I can't. I don't know what to do. I can't figure it out. You might have to get someone else. Yeah. But you know, then I wouldn't charge them. But it was. You know, I didn't fix it, so certainly mm-hmm. wasn't entitled to get paid for it. But so, what did you what did you do for fun before plumbing? You did you did motocross before, for a little while? Yeah, I raced motocross um, competitively from when I was eighteen to twenty five. How did you get into that? Oh, my buddies in the neighborhood had bikes, motorcycles, and and they started racing competitively. My my buddy uh, Wendell Giles, he was he was a big influence on me. He was he was really good. He turned pro, um, not successfully. At, he wasn't really successful at it, but he was real fast on the bike. Mm-hmm. So you know, you always try to emulate a guy like that because it was cool to see how fast he could go. But he was very reckless, so he generally would would uh, crash. So he would just go too fast and crash, yeah. or break his bike, or break his body, or both. And uh, that was you know that. But it, he got me into it. He was the influence that got me racing. And you basically were, you had to be your own mechanic pretty much too, right? Like you Yeah, were... yeah. Well, I I always bought a new bike every year. So we would we would get the new bike and uh, just take it apart. Brand new, we'd just take take the wheels off and grease the axles, put grease where grease needed to be. Because sometimes it, was, it wouldn't. Yeah, from the factory. Yeah, it came from the factory. It wasn't like greased up good. So you'd grease it really good and then. Because you'd have to take it apart like every week, so yeah, um, pretty much. I mean, I I didn't take the motor apart. I take I would take the head off. The the two, it was a two stroke motor, so I I would take the cylinder off and change uh, piston and rings. That was pretty easy to do. But there, I would always have a new bike every year, so um, they get kind of beat up from racing. It's usually muddy and dirty, and just the dirt just kind of gets everywhere. So um, we. Get you just sell it, sell the bike used, you know, the next year and get a new one. And uh, you know, the bikes were so cheap then. I mean, I used to buy one twenty fives 
I think they were like eighteen hundred bucks for a brand new bike. Yeah, they're probably ten grand now. There's several thousand now. I know that. I, yeah. I haven't priced one in a long time, but I know they're. And now they're all four strokes, so they're different bikes. They're. Yeah, mom. Mom made sure I didn't didn't follow my dad's footsteps <laughs> with motocross. Yeah, it was it was bad. I hurt myself. I permanent injuries. I've hurt myself with, you know, countless crashes. You had a few good concussions too, right? I had two concussions. Yeah, broke my teeth. How'd you get the concussions? Oh, I flipped over to bars at English Town, at Raceway Park, <laughs> at English Town, New Jersey. Yeah, that was that was a big track down in in English Town, New Jersey. It was a cool cool track. It was like pros race there, and they you know they had a big big uh, grandstand, and you know they would announce stuff on the, the the announcers would you know call the race. It was cool 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 track, but super dangerous. It was just you know like a cornfield that they bulldoze mounds and you jump off the freaking mounds and crash your brains out yeah so yeah i flipped over the flipped over the bars right on a right at the finish line and i woke up in an ambulance i you know i didn't know what happened i just woke up in an ambulance and and uh i thought i had had dirt in my mouth so i was i put the piece of dirt on my finger from my mouth and saw it was white i'm like oh that's not dirt that's teeth i shattered my teeth. oh it was white i was like what i shattered my teeth so that was one Did of the concussions. No, like they, I got them filled. What teeth? In the back. Of oh, in the back. That's right. I yeah, never noticed. You never it. see them. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had a pretty bad concussion. And then I had. Uh, I found out years later, when I when I had the uh, when I had the stroke, they were doing a they were checking my carotid arteries in my neck, and one of my carotid arteries is is occluded, 100 percent occluded. It's folded folded shut like a garden hose. Looks like a garden hose that's just folded over. Yeah. And uh, the, the doctors were like, mm, you suffered a, a trauma to your body at some point in your life, and you folded your carotid artery, artery closed. And I was like, I had to be from... I, I landed right on my right. Just like right... I had all scrapes on my right side. Of my, I had a full-face helmet on, full, you know, full, full, uh, full-face helmet. So it... it uh, my neck, like my collarbone, was all scraped up, and my right side because I just went over the bars and landed on my head first. So it just, I guess, you jerk your neck and it just closes that artery permanently, sort of. Or yeah. Well, does the, the concussion? Tra- does the, the concussion? Not the, do not it? The, no, not the concussion. Just the trauma from hitting the ground. The trauma of you know. Crashing. A lot of force. Yeah. Yeah, you just you're flying. Yeah, you know, you're going 40 miles an hour. You land on your head. It just didn't didn't go so good. <laughs> so I mean, I could have died right then because. You fold the carotid artery. That's that's the main blood yeah. vessel going to your brain. So, and then when you were recovering from that, do you remember like feeling weird at all? Or does your body? No, much I didn't feel nothing. My body figured it out. I had I had no no idea that I did that. It just it just they found out after the stroke. It had nothing to do with the stroke either. Just just uh, was an injury that that I sustained and that was damage was done and never never knew. And you were going to a lot of concerts at that time. Like before that, or what was yeah. your first concert? Like your first big concert? First concert was Electric Light Orchestra with my buddy Glenn Schwartz. We had we both had the same MGs, so we were. Buddies. You still got the steering wheel, right? I still have the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Glenn had a uh, he had a blue one, and I had a, a cream colored one. Mine was it was sweet car wire wheels. It was sweet. Nice. So what do you think, what were some like cool concerts you went to back in the day of people who like became famous after type thing? Uh, well, 
I saw Led Zeppelin at the Garden like three times. That was, but they were famous long before that concert. And so I saw hundreds of concerts. Jethro Tull, Grateful Dead, Yes, Aerosmith. What was your favorite concert that you went to? What was like the the best? I think the one I went with you was the Green Day. The Green Day, yeah, yeah. Green Day was really good. I love I love that. That concert. was right when American Idiot came out, right? Like that yeah, was like the yeah. American Idiot tour. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it was me and Mike's first concert. Yeah, that was awesome. Our first big concert. Yeah, I mean, I just I love Green Day, and I think that was, I mean, it was the last concert I think I went to, but it was. Um, yeah, it was probably the last big one. Yeah, that was. I liked it. I like Green Day. Nice, and then. Um, so what made you stop doing motocross? Um, I knew I wasn't that good at it, that I wasn't getting, uh, <coughs> like the idea of racing is you want to win. So I didn't, I wasn't winning races. I, I would finish in like, when you race, it was, you race two heats. So you have to qualify for the, you race the first race. And if they take the top 15 guys out of that race, if there's three heats, they want 45 guys on the line. So, three heats. So that there's 45 guys in each race. They take the top 15, and then the the, the second heat is <coughs> the uh, the second heat is you know the 15 qualifiers from each heat, and then so typically I'd I'd get like a fifth or something like that in uh, the first heat, and then I'd crash out the second heat and come in 20th or something, and you know it was like okay, so that was great. I didn't get a trophy or I didn't get nothing. So it was yeah. It just seemed to be, and I was, I just, I realized that uh, I was going to hurt myself, you know, worse than I did already. You could, you know, you could end up in a wheelchair from racing. So it was, I just realized it was time. I was 25 and I wasn't, I wasn't bouncing anymore. Yeah, you weren't I started gonna... breaking instead of bouncing. So I was like, eh, what am I doing? I'm going to hurt myself. We're... And it got old. It was like, it was, we raced from March to, from March to November. So it was long season. So every weekend, you you know, you spend all your money on the stuff, on the bikes, on the, you know, transportation, on the, it just, just got old. How much was a gallon of gas back then? Oh, less than a dollar. Probably like 50, 70 cents. Mm-hmm. It was cheap. Yeah, it seems like everything was a lot cheaper back then. Yeah, it was. Like, how much was the house in Spring Valley when you first bought it? 120000 And we, it was a shrewd investment. We sold it for ninety six. <laughs> put about 40 grand into it and sold it for 96 it was but we needed a place to live and I was able to run my business out of it so mm-hmm. it wasn't a complete loss but it wasn't we didn't make any money on it for sure hopefully it looks like you'll make some money on the on the, second on the next one we should yeah. <laughs> yeah we should be okay now yeah it's all paid for and and we'll do better on that one hopefully so how long were you plumbing till you got an assistant I think in my early, maybe 35, like probably 10 years. I did it by myself for about 10 years. Then I then I uh, decided I, I needed help because it was just too much to do. And what do you think of, like, what were you looking for when you hired people? They didn't need to know plumbing, really. I just wanted them to have a good work ethic. You know, try, just to have have a good work ethic. You know, show up, show up every day on time. Be ready to work, you know, whatever we had to do. Sometimes, some days it was easy. We'd ride around the truck and goof off, and some days it sucked. Yeah. For me as well. So, just kind of, I just wanted, you know, a guy with a good, good attitude. I'll teach you the plumbing. It wasn't really, 
you know, I wasn't looking for a guy that was going to teach me plumbing. I was looking for someone who just was willing to work with me. Yeah. Yeah, it taught, I think it taught me good work ethic. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. I could see the way you're living now. You, you're, uh, I see the way you're, how hard you're working and yeah. you're dedicated to your, to your farm, to your family. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think the best thing people could do is get a blue-collar job and a waiting job when they're younger because you learn... You learn so many skills from those type of jobs. I mean, even if even if you just learn simple electric or simple plumbing, I mean, it's it's 150 bucks to have somebody like walk in your door and. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you you did your well well pump. I mean, that was impressive that you uh, you say that was thousands of dollars to do that. Yeah, yeah, because they know. I'm sure well companies you get you get one job from a person every 20 years, so <laughs> yeah, you probably bang them for it. Yeah, I mean, I talked to my buddy Bill Bill Barmore, and he's. You know, when you had the problem with the water, and he said, "Oh, that's you know, that's a big job. You, you got to pull the pump, and and uh, you know, it was way too far away to for him to deal with it." But uh, you, lo and behold, you did. So I was I was very impressed with that. Had had Tim's help, the Green Street Boys, the the community of the North Country came yeah, together. Yeah, all your all your uh, your connections. Yeah, yeah. So what did you? How did you source most of your business? Like, did you, what advertising do you think was the most successful, or just word of mouth? Or it was mostly word of mouth. But I, I found church bulletins to be good. I was advertising in church bulletins for years because generally you get good people. You get a, a good, good clientele. Good, you know, ethical people. Um, not looking for the cheapest guy. Just looking, you know, for for somebody good. Good guy. Yeah, that's an important thing too, because there's always I always say like even with like pig farming and stuff, you're never going to be the cheapest. Like there's always going to be somebody who's going to do a, a cheaper job that's not going to be as good. And it seems like you you sort of position yourself as like sort of the high class plumber. You'd always be super neat. You always had a nice clean uniform on. Yeah, not you a uniform. Just present yourself in a you know in a professional manner and uh, and keeping yourself neat is if your truck's like all sloppy, then I think it's a reflection on you. I think you have the neatest. You had the neatest truck in the maybe in the world. I had a, I had a great plumbing truck. Yes, it was very neat. Everything was organized because time is money. So if you're looking around for parts for a half hour in your truck, that that you know kind of kills your time. You're losing a half hour just searching around for stuff that you should have at you know have access to it. Yeah, because you just had a fully. Fully stock truck too, like you pretty, pretty much had everything much, for I had, almost any job. Yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of stuff. I did. And inventory wasn't that hard to make. Like you did it pretty, pretty straightforward, right? You just had the list and sort of the. I feel like the simplest method is almost always the best. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's yeah, that's my philosophy. Just, I mean, I this my inventory was just. I would just keep track of what I used, and you get get used to. You know, you know, you're gonna need a a relay, the the uh, the L eight one four J or E or you know A or F. You need to have those because they they're people have no heat. They you know those controls are valuable on the shelf. I mean, I would have guys actually calling me at night, other plumbers, to like you know, hey, can I get a relay off you because you know I'm stuck. Yeah, they didn't have it, so you know, generally I would have it, and then they just replaced it, you know, the next day. Yeah, because the stores, you know, they're closed at, at night, so if you don't have this stuff, then uh, if you have favors, favors are a good thing to gain up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's generally, you know, it's it was just the way I did it, and it seemed to work pretty well. So, what was it like being 
being in business for 36 years, like what, um, cause that's a pretty long run for, for any business really. And yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. Um, it was good. I mean, it was stressful. You know, in the younger days, um, I would be worried about, you know, that, that people continued to call. And then as time went on, it just, you know, it was obvious that, that I had an abundance of uh, calls. There were, it was never an issue of, of, at some points it was like too much work. Did you ever think about getting like two trucks or anything? No, nah, too much, too much pressure. I, I, I didn't want the, uh, the responsibility of having another truck and another, it just kind of, you'd run it from the frying pan to the fire. It's not really, it yeah. just didn't, didn't appeal to me. I felt like I could manage it and control it with just me and a good assistant and, and uh, that's just how I did it. Yeah, I mean, I think overhead is probably the number one killer of businesses. Like just having having an expensive operation where in the good times it's great because you're you got all the trucks going and everything's great. But if the phone slows down for a week, you gotta. Yeah, I see my buddies. You know, I see my friend Tom. He's got a much bigger business than I had, but he, you know, he's he's got five guys working, so he's got four trucks, five guys. It's good, you know, when you're making it, but. Yeah, if you're not making it, then it gets nerve wracking. Yeah, and you had a good you had a good system too. Like after every job, go back, call people back, and even if you just said, "Hey, um, I'm going to check my schedule tonight," like um, I think having communication with customers. Yeah, is, that's big. That's big. Also, yep. The cell phones. I used to be before cell phones. Um, I had a pager, and mom would mom was home, and she would answer the phone, and then she'd page me. She'd page me to call her, so I'd have to go find a phone booth or borrow a customer's phone. Or so it was. That was a whole different. That was back in the day. She she'd answer the calls and and uh, you know and then reach out to me with a pager. Nice. I don't know if I think I might have seen the pager. I think I saw it when you were younger. I think it was still in existence. Yeah, just a little thing you wore on your belt. Yeah, it was like when I wasn't working. Like I would just like on a Saturday or something, I'd go on the truck with you. Yeah, yeah, you definitely want it with me. You were a good helper. <laughs> <laughs> Two for the big bucks. <coughs> Two for the bacon, egg, and cheeses. <laughs> That's right. Who who would you, if you could have dinner with any three people in the world, dead or alive, culture didn't matter, who would you have dinner with? Hmm. Tiger Woods. Probably mostly golfers. Tiger Woods, Freddie Couples, another golfer, and and you. <laughs> Thanks. You can have dinner with me anytime. <laughs> when did you start playing golf? After I stopped racing motorcycles. You started when you were like 25 or 26? Yeah, yeah, like maybe 28, 27, 28. I think I started, so <laughs> a long time. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame I'm not so good. I'm not very good playing all those years, but... Yeah. What, um... What... Are... What are some like good tips or like sort of how to how to play golf that you've picked up along the years? Mm. I don't know. Some good tips. I can't think of. Well, a new one I have is just staying behind the ball. That's that seems to help me a little bit with my with my tee shots, my dreaded tee shots. I seem to they make me or break me the round the round is either made or broken with the with tee shots so um you you experience that first time you know 
one day you're hitting it good, the next day you're not. For it's a fickle game. For no apparent reason. Hmm. So what do you think, um, what do you see in like, like the future of business? Like, what do you think, do you ever think about like automation and stuff like that, how it's going to affect the economy? I think it's all in a, inevitable. I think it's all going to, progress will just take charge of it. It's not going to, it's just going to be, you know, automation is, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Self-driving cars, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to take some time to get figured out, but it's coming. And probably for a good reason, you know, good, good, uh, for the better. Yeah, that's why I think, uh, plumbers aren't, plumbers aren't going anywhere, though. Plumbers be, aren't going nowhere. They'll Elect- be a wire. Electricians, plumbers, they're all, they'll have a job yeah. pretty much forever. Yeah, that's the one thing I worry about working in the finance industry, because our job's pretty complicated, but there's, they're making pretty good computers, so. Right. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I don't know, that that could be an issue, but I think that that'll be a long time. Yeah, I think it's got a good 10, 10 20 years or so, and then sort of the cream will rise to the top, and the good people will, will not get taken over by automation and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that uh, you'll have a, you'll be secure with, with your career, I think. I trust yeah, if not, hopefully the pig cells are doing good. That's right. You could always fall back on plumbing. So what was it like the first time you came to me and Sarah's house? <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a neat mix, so it wasn't too neat. So, I mean, when you first got there, it was all, you were just ripping it all down. The insulation and the, the limited sheetrock was all moldy and it was just, just a ton of work. I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a, he's got his work cut out from here. Yeah. Were you worried at first? No, well, not really, because it was, we co-signed a loan for you, but, uh, you know, it was, if you defaulted on it, then it seemed like a, like a no-brainer, because, you know, for what you paid for it, it's, it just was like a no-brainer, so, if, if you defaulted on it, then, then I'd be the land baron. Yeah. But, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully not, yes. Hopefully the real estate market stays, stays relatively well. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a little bit scary at first when we first got it. I mean, just not having a bathroom and just having one spigot for water and stuff like that, <laughs> and all the all the mold, all the work ahead of us. But it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah, you definitely you're definitely accomplishing a lot there. So what's it like? What's it like raising a kid? Like, what is? It was fun. It was good. I enjoyed I enjoyed raising you guys. It was, um, you know, especially, uh, I was 0 for 2 on guessing what sex you guys were. I thought Liz was a boy for sure, and she was, like, so busy in mom's stomach. I just was like, this is definitely a boy, without question. And then she popped out, I'm like, damn, I would have bet money on it. But lo and behold, we had Liz. And then, uh, same thing with you, you were kind of quiet and didn't move around a lot. And, uh, like, the babies can hear you when, uh when you know as as they develop when when the mom is like seven or eight months pregnant you she's pretty damn big and the baby's moving around in her stomach and you can talk to the talk to especially with liz i would lay in bed with Jean and uh just talk to her stomach and and i'd get her to start kicking her feet 
It's like just because she heard you, she could hear you talking, and uh, yeah, I tap her belly or something, and she she kicked back with her leg. It was like, it was like uh, the Exorcist. It was kind of, <laughs> it was a little scary, but yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed raising you guys. You know, it was, I think I was a good dad. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got some of my good qualities and some of my bad yeah. ones, but I get um, my my drinking from my dad, and my eating from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but also the good stuff. I wish I got your organization and your your cleanliness. <laughs> so maybe it will come in some at some point. Were you always super neat when you were younger? Yeah, yeah my mom uh, did that to me. It's my mom's fault. She used to have a a, uh, a bulletin board with list of chores. Like we had to make our bed. We had a um, just a bunch of stuff. We'd help clean the house. We'd we'd do uh, rake the rake leaves or something. Or you know we get. She gave us an allowance. She'd give us like a quarter for making our bed, or you know, a quarter for just chores. So she didn't just expect us to do the chores. She kind of rewarded us. So it was good, uh, good fundamental way to to teach a responsibility. And yeah, yeah, she was real neat. Everything was always had to be in its place. So that's why I'm kind of anal about all that stuff like bust your chops about putting stuff away and all the rules like at, at my father's place all the rules and it's just uh, it's the way of the world yeah you were always good with that when I was younger if I ever if I ever needed money for anything or like I, there was always something I could do to earn money and it sort of was the yeah just simple like if you work you're, you'll get paid so there's no uh... yeah we didn't just give you money just to, for the sake of giving you money so we would uh because it instills a uh, work ethic where you need to have a good work ethic to succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're hanging out waiting for mom and dad to give you money your whole life, then it doesn't work out so good. Yeah, I see that. I, you see that every now and then with people like um, all the rich people, how they're all messed up and can't work. Like Yeah. My my friend Martin is is a perfect example of that. He, he was expecting to inherit a, a fortune from his mom and it didn't happen. So his brother got the lion's share of it because his brother did his brother worked hard he was they had a nursing home business and he worked in a nursing home the whole you know his whole life and Martin hung out didn't work at all yeah so his mom didn't you know she she rewarded his work ethic with what it was worth which I think was appropriate really sad for him because he's now he's kind of on the balls of his ass, he doesn't have you know a lot of any real money, so he says he's gonna be eating cat food soon. So yeah, you gotta gotta work hard. To, there's no there's no secret. It's it's all hard work and yeah yeah. I mean hard work. Like our house, like the first summer we used to get up at like five every day. I'd work for like two or three hours before work, and then work until the sun went down the whole first summer. So it was like yeah. um, so your Spring Valley home was a fixer upper. Yes, yeah, that was a that was a fixer upper as well. What sort of stuff did you do to it? Uh, put a heating system in. It didn't had uh, had steam heat, so I ripped out all the steam radiators and piping and uh, and the old boiler. And then I put put hot water baseboard and put you know baseboard around the whole place and and a boiler and so on and so on. Just uh, put a bathroom in. Uh, kitchen I put in put a driveway in mm. a little bit of everything a little bit of everything yeah so when did you when did you have the stroke because I think I was in high school then right 
That was ten years ago when I was fifty. Yeah, so you've gotten you've gotten a lot healthier since then, like. Yeah, this, I was I was uh, I think I was weight I weighed about one ninety at that point, so I was starting to put it on a little more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, yeah, I started. The doctor said to me, "Do yourself a favor and get in good cardio condition, because you know that's going to be key to your survival." So mm-hmm. that's when I started going to the gym. I started uh, started going then and. That's you know, yeah, not, been going ever since. I've been much. going ever since. I mean, it's, there's ebbs and flows. Right at the moment, I'm after uh, the cancer treatment. I was on steroids, so that kind of bulked me up a little bit. And what kind of what kind of cancer did you have? <clears throat> oh, I have. Uh, when did you? What was it like in the beginning? Like, when did you first? What was the first? Well, you had skin cancer, or did you have? Yeah, melanoma, stage four melanoma. It was. Um, Started out with yes, I had a little, I had a lump, a lymph node on my neck that was swollen, and I insisted on having it removed because I was, I didn't like the idea that I had a lymph node. The doctor was like, thinking I was overkill or not not necessary, but they removed it, and lo and behold, it was melanoma. And not that I knew that anything you know was bad, but fortunately, I had some kind of intuition. It was I think like divine intervention because. If I didn't insist on that being removed, Mike May took me to the to the doctor. Really? That day, yeah. If I didn't insist on having it removed, then uh, you know I probably I might not be here now because it would have been spread all over before they got a chance to you know treat it with the with the amazing cancer drugs they have now, immunotherapy. So it started in the it started in the skin and then it went to the lymph node. It started in the skin of my neck and then went to the lymph node and then. The, hit the the lymph node super highway went throughout my body, but so far the treatments that they, I mean it seems good. I I don't want to brag about it quite just yet. Yeah, but, uh, it metastasized to my brain. It was in my brain also in the beginning, but then the the treatment got rid of it, and then you know it's who knows exactly why it's in my was in my brain again. But um, they treated that with radiation, so we're hoping that we're good. We're gonna find out in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. So far, so good. You got the first. The first one came back good. So hopefully, the second one does. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was a CT scan of my of my torso. Basically, they check all your organs because that's where it's gonna get you. So it's, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean you couldn't get it in your big toe, but um, that's you know the the it generally tra- it transfers from from one spot to another and. It generally goes to a, a major organ, so that's, you know, that's what they checked when they when they did that test a couple weeks ago. You think you think marijuana helped at all? Nah, you don't think it did. Helped my mind. Didn't, didn't really. It helped me deal with it, but it didn't. I don't think it was cancer cure. Yes. Well, it's good that New York State has it now for for medical. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I have a medical card. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you can get. You can get opioids and stuff at the doctor. It seems safer for some stuff to be able to take, like, oils and stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely better than... Just, it really just kind of calmed me down, made me uh, less anxious about this cancer. I, I really, I'm really proud of myself the way I've handled it so far. I haven't been freaking out. You know, you could easily freak out about this, but I, I chose not to do that, and I've been sticking with it so far. Yeah, I mean, I think just staying... Staying positive through whatever you're going through is always gonna 
Yeah. Like freaking out never never yeah. helps you and never does anything. It just just makes you freak out basically. Yeah, then freaking out's not gonna help you. It's just it ain't changing nothing, so Yeah. You're still sick. So I mean I who knows what's gonna happen, but I think keeping a you know, calm demeanor about it and not, not being worried. That I think that helped. That makes that makes sense, honestly. So what do you think, um What's your what's your future plans? What is the what does the future hold for Jim oh, Craig? I'm gonna have fun the rest of my life. Every day is gonna be fun. <laughs> Full golf, maybe. Yeah, golf. Yeah, golf, and just you know, enjoying my life, because you know you don't know when it's gonna be over. So the big the big guy upstairs doesn't really tell you. It's just you know, when your number's up, when you call your number, you're done. So I'm hoping to I'm hoping around I'm around for a while. Hope I could see some grandkids someday and. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna. Hopefully, your mom can stop working pretty soon, and we can do a little more traveling. And uh, think mom will ever play golf. Mom will do what? Play golf. Um, yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she might play at, at Grandpa's course there, that, that little course. Yeah, she could play. I think she would. Hopefully, mom doesn't beat you. She's pretty. <laughs> she's pretty flexible. She's smooth with the yoga, so it could happen. Just just like you, if she beats me, I'll encourage her. So. And you do how much yoga do you do now? You still do? No, I don't. I'm not able to do it anymore. I, I hurt my leg, so I'm, I can't really pick my leg up. So I was doing vinyasa yoga, and it was just too hard with with my ruptured tendon in my leg. It just I couldn't pick my leg up. So it just. Uh, and how'd that happen? That happened. I just slipped on the ice at home. I was working on my own stupid plumbing, and uh, I should have avoided the icy steps in the backyard. And uh, I slipped on the stairs. And just to slip, it was kind of bizarre because I didn't really, I didn't fall or anything. It just, just the, it was the kicking motion that that tore it, which was really weird. Yeah, now, so now you can't lift that leg up, basically? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of sucks. It sucks worse than the cancer, really, because I'm kind of disabled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really my disability that I'm collecting now is... Part of it is the, the ruptured tendon, and part of it is the cancer. Yeah, it's good you invested in that stuff when you were younger. Yeah, that was that was a good thing. I mean, I, who you know, I didn't I didn't know I was going to be dealing with that, but but uh, you know, you you never plan on getting sick, so it's it's always uh, you know better. That's what that's the whole idea of disability insurance and. So what do you do? How did you transition out of the plumbing business? Like, what was, what was that like? Uh, well, once I had I had part of my lung removed for the cancer. So uh, once I had that done, I just decided that I couldn't couldn't work anymore. I was physically unable. The cancer weakened me, and this wasn't the same guy. Then you just did you just sell off most of your tools and the I, truck and stuff. I like kept that? my tools. I have all my tools. Most, I mean, I, be my tools. except, except <laughs> the ones I gave and given you already. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my hand tools. Yeah, you keep. I'm gonna keep my hand tools, just you know, because I can still. I'm just because I don't. Yeah, any house will always have a plumbing yeah, problem. Yeah, so I, I'm not really, I can't really work anymore because I'm on the disability policy. So I'm, yeah, I'm gonna be collecting that hopefully till I'm 65, and then the, the policy is over when I'm 65, and then then I'm on my own. So. Yeah. Um, then I can do what I want. When we run, uh, when we run pipe into the barn, you could just bark orders at me. Yeah. 
dig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. We're going to hopefully, first I want to pour a pad in the workshop, and then we probably won't get to the barn this year unless I have an awesome year in mortgages. So I hope you do. Yeah. But right now everyone has a house, so it's not it's not super uh, super important. Do you have like a a favorite failure or something that at the moment seemed like a failure but then set you up for later success? Hmm. That's a good question, but I can't think of anything. So no no favorite failure, like something something that sort of set you up for later success? Hmm. I can't I can't really think of anything that uh I can't think of a f- failure that that later came back. Um what do you think your favorite favorite accomplishment is? Successful business for for as long as they had it. That yeah, I'm proud of that. I think that's Yeah, I'm I'm definitely proud of that and raising you guys too. Raising two productive children that became you know good hard working people decent adults decent adults yes so what do you think um what was I going to say so no big no no favorite failure that set you up for success I guess almost the stroke not a failure but it was like a, a wake up sign because you you walked away from that pretty unscathed right yeah yeah I was very fortunate I, you know, I take medication, I take blood pressure medication, and I take uh, blood thinners. So, that, you know, that's that's the downside of of that, but I don't really have a choice because once you have a stroke, then you're more susceptible to have a, another stroke. So, and I also had a pulmonary embolism that was cancer-related. So, you got to take those medications to, you know, to survive. Otherwise, you know, chances are you're going to die. Yeah. Gotta stay healthy. That's why I'm trying to get on the the healthy path and lose some weight before I'm too old. And yes, it will only get harder. It'll only get harder. Nice. Well, Dad, I think you got anything else you want to impart upon our listeners? Uh, I'd just say how proud I am of of you and uh, of your sister Liz. Um, no, it was fun. I I uh, wasn't sure how it was going to go, but I'm. I'm pleased with this interview. You were a little little nervous at first. I was a little nervous at first. I know. I thought I was going to be on camera too. So we'll do another one. I'll get you. I'll get you more liquored up for the next one. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for joining everyone. Thanks for being on this episode of Craigcast, Jim. And now I got to fly to the airport. That's right. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me on your interview. Don't worry, Pa. <laughs> <laughs>